Roxy Saki. And good afternoon, Tam Tam. How are you? Well, I'm in my, I, so this morning I was in my silk pajamas and I was going to get ready for this podcast, but then I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave my silks on because it's exactly <laughs> the motive of these, this episode. And I was like, you need to also put your silks on. And I'm actually quite surprised that you had a lot of silk pajama choices. And I'm like, what are you doing at night that like, I don't know about, cause I thought you went to bed at 10, but obviously not. You've got, you've got your silks on. You know, uh, you can jam pack a lot before 10 p.m. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, just doing the thing. No, my silk. Yes, you're right. I have a large um, variety of silk, silk and pajama choices. So I was so excited when you texted me and you're like, should we do this in silk pajamas? I was like, yes, girl. Now you're talking. I'm so excited. I um, really didn't know you were a silk pajama girl. Yes. Did you know? It's like a, I didn't know. a little known secret. I know. I do huh. love a good silken pajama. I have to say. How do you wash them though? Because for me, like I feel like every time I wash my silk pajamas, they don't feel the same. No, they get kind of like bally, you know, like it, the fabric yeah. starts getting kind of funky. You have to yeah. wash it, wash it in delicate and hang dry. <laughs> is that, is that how you wash your silk undies? Too? That's a, yes. Silk undies, silk pillowcases, you know, the your world silk, of your silk. Your silk, your silk G-string. You don't have a silk G-string, do you? I actually do have a silk G-string I, and get this, the, the back part of it is no pearls. You do not. Yes, I you do. Don't wear that. Oh. I I don't I don't believe you because oh, yeah. I don't think I know you're a g-string person, which I don't understand. Because why do I want something riding up my butthole like the entire day? Like that is not comfortable <laughs> to me at all. But like you wear, you always wear g-string. So when you wear your g-string with your your <laughs> your balls <laughs> in the back of them, whatever you call them, pearls. Um, do you wear them out and about, or is this like just a at home thing before you go to bed? <laughs> so. Um, back in my younger days, I would wear it out with a little peak of the top, you know, back in the, uh, what is it? The mid aughts, <laughs> but yes. you kept them. You I kept, kept them. them. I had to hold on to them because although they don't get a lot of wear and tear and use now, it's nice to look back and see my pearl silken thong and be like, gosh, I was once that girl who would rock that pearl silken thong, thong wow. to the club. I know. Wow. Right? So you aren't, so you don't really have a silk thong. You just have it in like your memories pile. Yeah. I still kept my wedding, my wedding t-shirt that said just married. <gasps> I have that still. I still have my oh. garter. Um, I still have all the lingerie that I spent so much money mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. that I will not throw away, but I cannot fit into it because I've had two children, <laughs> but I won't throw it away because they're like, do you remember when you used to spend like $350 on a pair yes. of underwear? I just yes. like, there's no, I would never do that. Any, I would never do that again. Remember like the day? Uh, no. Mm -hmm. The days of like La Perla and Agent Provocateur yes. and having all the lace and like, then when you're in like in the moment and it's happening. It takes a minute to get it off. Like you're kind of struggling with that. You're like, oh my gosh, this is not coming off, not coming off. And it's not so sexy when it's not coming off properly. <laughs> and then the guy <laughs> tries to undo your bra. Oh. I can't, I don't understand. I still, I've been with my husband 16 years and he still can't undo it. Like he still can't do it. It's just like, it's not that hard. It's like two clips. It's just one and two. <laughs> right. Like dude, you go and fight wars. Like this is, you know, it's just two clips. Because it rides up, like one cup rides up and the the other one's like down here and you're like trying to get it off and he the moment is just passing by 
It's a pass. We're done. <laughs> we're done. And it's yeah, true. the other day, um, the other uh, day I said to my husband, he was like, I, I, we were going to have sexy time. And then he had like this whole conversation about the sex before the <laughs> sex happened. And I was like, I'm done. Like, this is just like, we've talked about it. We've talked me out of sex. <laughs> like, it's not, there's nothing about this that is sexy. I'm out. Like, now I'm that out. is a feat because you are not one to turn sex down. You know. <laughs> little jock edge you know yeah i'm good i'm good the word rash um but our next guest where i'm excited to talk to them because obviously we talk about this subject all the time and you know relationships and we have so many people who listen who are obviously in relationships from all walks of life like some are dating some are single some are married some are older we have some people who are you know in their 50s even 60s like thinking about, you know, how to keep the spark alive. And it's a very sensitive subject, although it's not for us, but I think it is for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, how do you keep that alive in your relationship? And, and how do you like communicate your needs and, and, you know, don't not do it and don't do it with blame, shame, guilt, judgment, and all the mm -hmm. things that, you know, we do in relationships. And I think sex is a, such a big part of a relationship. You know that, like I talk about this all the time, Roxy, like mm -hmm. I feel like it's like a third, like mm -hmm. a third of phys physical is a, is a third of it. And if you're not physical, then it kind of seeps into other things like emotional and mental. So who do we have on today, Roxy? <gasps> well, we are so excited to finally have them come on our podcast. They're a couple, a married couple they're amazing. They're podcasters as well. They are, they are amazing on social media um, and they're sex therapists. So it's like all of our questions can be finally asked. Please welcome Vanessa and Xander. Hi guys. We're so excited to be here. And I, I wish I had known about the silk pajamas. I could have worn a pair, but I know. I feel like we left you out of the conversation. I'm sorry, I know. but you might be wearing your silk thong with your uh, pearls in the back. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, the pearls are really digging in right now. So. Right? <laughs> maybe exactly. maybe Xander's wearing the pearl thong. That's yeah, fine. Right. No judgment. Not me. That would be fun to mix it up. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Uh, well, I'm so excited to we're so excited to talk about these things. Um, I listened to Glennon Doyle's podcast and I heard you guys on there too, which we had her on our show. Mm -hmm. And it was such a pinch, I'm sure it was a pinch pinch you moment for you, and it was a pinch <laughs> us moment for us. Um, because you know, she's so honest and so vulnerable, and and this is a All subject right. that I think not a lot of, I didn't know this. I'm very open with, with sex and I talk about it a lot, but a lot of people don't feel as comfortable. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think one of the biggest things in relationships is people don't feel comfortable talking about their needs mm -hmm. with their partner mm -hmm. around sex and getting what they need. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you even spark that conversation with your partner of like one week or like 20 years? Well, you're definitely in the minority. I'm glad that you feel comfortable talking about it. It's always great to have good examples of that. And yeah, I just want to normalize for anybody listening who's like, that is not me. Like, it's very, very common. I mean, that's why we have a business. So we did write this whole book called Sex Talk specifically about how to talk about sex. And we boiled it down into these five conversations that we think are going to transform every couple's love life. 
because we knew, you know, it's such a big topic. This like, how do we talk about it? We all kind of have a sense that we should be. It's probably a good thing, but we don't know how to. And so when it comes to starting to have these conversations, one of the big mistakes that most people make is we feel so embarrassed and awkward and uncomfortable to talk about it that we wait until something is really wrong. Something's bothering mm-hmm. us. Like, ah, I hate the way my partner initiates. I hate that special move they think that they have that <laughs> secretly I actually hate. And so we wait until we're feeling really frustrated and it comes spilling out with that frustration. And so we might even lash out at our partner, like, why do you never want to have sex with me? Why do you never initiate in the way that I want? And of course, that's only going to make your partner feel awful. It's going to make you feel bad in the moment too. And it's going to make sex feel like this scary, dangerous topic to talk about. Like we only talk about it when things are really bad. So in sex talks, we wanted to lay out a better starting point for people. And so we start with this conversation that we call acknowledgement, AKA sex is a thing and we have it. Mm -hmm. And in that conversation, you're literally just getting comfortable with sex as a topic, like just starting to talk about it in a neutral way. So not making any requests, not making any complaints, not trying to solve any problems, not bringing up anything that has any sort of you know negative spin to it, but literally just getting comfortable with it as a topic of conversation. Mm. You know, navigating the sex terrain has is always a challenge in any relationship because inevitably, you know, you've got two people who might not even have the same sexual appetite, right? I mean, somebody might want it more, some might want it less. So how do you kind of reconcile, you know, like what people want? Like how, if you've got two different people Mm -hmm. in a relationship, like what is the best way to kind of get them on the same page? We've got to start with normalizing that that's the case for every couple. Like you're mm-hmm. never going to find a partner who wants the exact same amount of sex as you do, like wants it in the exact same times, <laughs> the exact same ways, the exact positions, the exact activities. Like that would be incredibly strange to find mm-hmm. a partner who's open to that. But we don't really talk about that very much. And so most people feel like, oh, well, we're supposed to be compatible. We're supposed to be on the same mm-hmm. page. But mm-hmm. we like to say like, no, you're you're going to be different. You're going to have differences. So it's not being afraid of the differences Mm. at all. It's just recognizing, okay, so like, for example, let's say Xander initiates with me. If I feel in that moment, like, oh, shoot, I should have been turned on already. I'm going to feel like something's wrong Mm. with me. Like maybe we're mismatched, we're incompatible. But if I come from this place of recognizing like, yeah, of course he's turned on at a different time than I am. He's a different person than I am. Then that might open up some space within me to then say, okay, you know, I wasn't I didn't happen to be thinking about sex in the exact same moment, Mm. but let me check in with myself. Like, am I open to it? Maybe if we got started with a little making out or he gave me a massage or maybe he helped me like take care of some stuff that's on my to-do list or my mental load Mm. list, like then I might be open to it. That just like opens up this space that we might not Mm. otherwise have had. Yeah. I think it's so much easier if we reframe this as Mm. not what do we do if our drives are mismatched, but it's Mm. like our drives are always going to be mismatched. Mm. So Mm. how do we handle that? It's not like a let's wait until it's a problem. It's just always going to be a thing. Because I think the issue is that often at the beginning of relationships, we, we get this idea that 
our drives are totally matched up because the way that mm -hmm. you have sex early on is very different from the way that it happens you know, later on, maybe after you're more serious or you move in together, because, mm -hmm. you know, very often at the beginning, it's like you're planning dates with each other. And once you start having sex, there's this general assumption, oh, okay, we're probably going to go to someone's house after this date and we're going mm -hmm. to have sex. Right. And so it's easy to get this idea that, oh, our sex drives must be totally aligned, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, you're, it's not your true sex drive. Like you're just like, oh yeah, we are having a date once a week or twice a week or whatever. And then all of a sudden, once you start living together and whatnot. And it's not about, oh, we're going on a date and therefore we're having sex. Then you start to kind of see what, what mm -hmm. the reality is. And so it's just, yeah, if we approach it like, okay, this is how it is always going to be. How do we handle that versus like, mm -hmm. oh God, now it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And now there's something wrong with us. I have this, I, I have to deal with this in my, with my therapist, but I have this big issue because I've defined myself as a sexual person. I've always been very sexual and we're not talking like every day. We're talking a few times a week, still now into my late thirties, been with my partner 16 years. Like I still want to connect on that regular basis. And when I don't, or when we don't, I get very anxious mm -hmm. and it's so much more about a number that I've realized for me than an actual connection. Like, of course, mm -hmm. I feel more connected through sex. But if I'm not having it, then all these questions about, well, is something wrong? You know, does he love me? What's wrong with me? And so what happens is I actually want to have sex with him and I'll kind of get mad at him, and like fight with him because I want to hit this number, but I still want to, I still do want to have sex. And then it doesn't set up this like fertile environment for like a sexy you know, a sex activity to happen because I'm just so angry about the fact that it's not happening and then it ends up not happening. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I really I, struggle. I really struggle with that. I struggle with like how many times should I be having sex and that I'm not as sexually active as all my peers. Most of us are pretty obsessed with this idea of how much sex should we be having? I mean, that's one of the most common questions that we get asked. And I think the reason that we get so fixated on this is because sex feels big and complicated and messy and numbers are simple and clean and easy. Quantifiable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, you know, we are always having people ask us like, just tell us the number that we should be having. And then there can be this. What's sense the number? Of like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So they're like, well, you know, then I'll feel good about myself. Then I'll feel like, you know, we've done a good job. We can kind of check that off for the week type of thing. So I totally understand and have compassion for where that comes from. But I do think so as a sex therapist, I will tell you that there is truly, I swear to you, there is no magic number that's going to work mm -hmm. for every couple. I've worked with couples who have sex a couple of times a day and they feel disconnected and it doesn't feel like enough. Wow. I've worked with couples who have sex a few times a year and they feel super connected. The sex is amazing. It sustains mm -hmm. them throughout the year. So it really is very variable. We also did a survey of this with our community. We had 70,000 people filled out this survey and we asked them specifically, like, how much sex are you having? And how much do you enjoy the sex that you're having? Yes, that's the key. So we found that 75% of the responses fell into three different buckets and they were evenly divided, like 25, 25, 25% in each. So those three buckets were two to three times a month 
once a week and then two to three times a week. So Mm -hmm. the vast majority of people are having sex between two to three times a month and two to three times a week. But like Xander was saying, we also asked them like, how satisfied Mm -hmm. are you with your sex life? Mm -hmm. And there were no noticeable differences in that group. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just another way of showing you like there is no magic number that's going to work for everybody. But I think the problem with trying to have sex to hit a quota is that exactly like you're describing, it starts to add this layer of anxiety on top of it. Like if you're having sex that maybe you don't actually want, like maybe as a, you're a sexual person and that's amazing, but maybe you had a mm. shitty week one week and you're like, I'm tired and I'm not really open to it. And I'm on my period or I've had a bad, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're pushing yourself to have sex, that doesn't actually sound that great to you in that moment, it's going to decrease like your overall enjoyment of sex and desire mm-hmm. for it. Because as, as humans, we have a really hard time craving something that feels like an obligation at the same time. Yeah. And, and like, mm-hmm. if you, you know, say you do it once or you do it a couple of times in a moment where you're kind of pushing yourself to do it, but you're not really wanting to, or maybe your partner's not really wanting to. And overall, like one or both of you doesn't have the most awesome experience, then mm-hmm. you're also thinking thinking about that the next time as well. So it kind of has this, mm-hmm. you know, the spillover effect. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, on the flip side, if you focus on, okay, let's let's look at trying to have the best quality sex. Let's try to enjoy ourselves as much as possible and focus more of our energy on that versus the number of times. Mm-hmm. What very often happens is, you know, you have really truly amazing sex that's going to kind of carry you over for a long time. You're going to mm-hmm. be thinking about that for a long time. And the next mm-hmm. time you go to have sex, like that's the thing that you're thinking about. And you're like, oh, hell yeah, mm-hmm. that was so fun last time. Like, let's do that again. And maybe mm-hmm. you're more likely to get the experience that you're wanting from your partner too. Like he's more present and he's more mm-hmm. connected in the moment with you. And it just mm-hmm. like feels better overall. So it's, yeah, that focusing mm-hmm. on the quality can often lead to a much better experience. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. the reason that people want to focus on the quantity is because it's harder to focus on uh-huh. the quality, right? Like it's mm-hmm. easier to look at a quantifiable number than this kind of gray area of like, oh, well, mm-hmm. what does make good sex to me? What makes good sex to you? You know, yeah. I, yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like for me, like spontaneity always makes mm-hmm. it more exciting. Like if I know, like, you know, like, like we wouldn't, we wouldn't work together then Rossi, you and I, how are we going to do it? <laughs> but I think like spontaneity, like it's always, particularly because, you know, like Tam and I were talking about earlier, you know, we've both been married a very long, you know, almost 20 years for both of us. And it's like, you know, that is sort of one of the few remaining excitable parts of it, I think, is when mm-hmm. it's kind of spontaneous because it's like you can very easily get into a rut when you've been with somebody that long. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been my husband and I've been married 18 years. So it's like, you know, you pretty much tried or done most everything <laughs> yeah. at that point, you know, like you use the thong many, 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 <laughs> many times. That thong has got some wear and tear. <laughs> <laughs> But they're still keeping it there. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. The balls are falling off. Totally. The balls are falling off. Like literally even his. Um, So, yeah. So, 
But I feel like because the spontaneity, you know, that always helps. But I also think for me too, the mental part of like Mm. sex starts even before the actual act of sex starts. Mm -hmm. Like, like if we're in a good place where I am, you know, we're getting along and there hasn't been a fight because that Mm -hmm. also throws me off. You know, I think like if there's a fight, like I'm like the last thing I want to do. I mean, I know a lot of people love makeup sex and like to do like the thing right after a fight. But I'm literally like the person that's like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah, I hate you. Exactly. <laughs> like, I hate you. Don't come near me. Like, I have to like get over like whatever's happened. Takes two between weeks. Us. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to make you wait another two weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but so, yeah, I think like, I don't know, it's such a mental game too, you know, with like mm-hmm. all these other sort of parts. Is that like something that you found a lot along the way? Yeah, that's actually the second conversation in sex talks. It's connection. What do we need to feel close to each other? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, we think of sex as just this physical act. Like, oh, yeah, that's just this thing that we do in the bedroom with the door closed mm-hmm. and all the lights off. But our emotional intimacy like heavily affects physical intimacy mm-hmm. and vice versa, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of couples will tell us. We've been together for so long. At this point, it feels like we're just sharing space. Like we're roommates rather than romantic partners. We're ships Mm. passing in the night type of thing. And so it feels like you get into bed at the end of the night and it's like a stranger crawling in bed next to you. And so Mm. in that conversation, like we really wanted to help couples identify what are the small practical things that you can do on a daily basis to help you feeling connected to each other, to help you feel like, you're still, you know, romantic partners, you're still romancing and seducing and flirting with each other so that when you are wanting to have sex, like it feels so much easier. It doesn't feel like, mm. oh, well, now we have to like reconnect emotionally and then we have to do physically. Like, it just feels like too much. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think also, Roxy, what you were describing mm-hmm. was like a really, really awesome in starting to show some of the differences between different people in terms of how you like things. Like you were talking about liking spontaneity and then Tamman was like, oh, you know, we might not get along in that <laughs> regard. And, I, and so, yeah, because the reality is we have different ways that we all like sex to be initiated and we have different energies that we like mm. when it comes to sex. And so like we talk about there being a number of different initiation styles and also different sex personality types. And it, I think it's so important for people to recognize that there it's not a one size fits all. I think when we don't talk about sex very often or very openly, it's easy for people to kind of go to like, oh, okay, well, let me, let me listen to so-and-so's advice about how do they like, how do they think sex should be initiated or what type of energy should you show up with in the bedroom? And they try to do that, but it doesn't really work for them. And the reality is we have these different kind of types. And the important thing is figuring out what, what are we and what is our partner and how can we kind mm-hmm. of tailor our approaches so that both mm-hmm. people are excited and fulfilled? Yeah. So Tamman, mm-hmm. you are one of the personality types, which I call the prioritizer, where it's like you want mm-hmm. that feeling of like sex <laughs> is important to us. Yep. We're carving space out for it. We're making, you know, we're not letting it fall to the bottom of our to-do mm-hmm. list. Like I want to feel important to you. And I want Number this- top, the top top of the to-do list. Exactly. (laughs) One suggestion, like one thing you could play around with is instead of focusing specifically on how many times are we having sex, it could be, can we carve out a couple of nights a week that's like quality time for us? And you can come up Mm -hmm. with, maybe there's some like funny inside joke that the two of you have, or like a funny name that you can give to it. So you're creating that time and there's like a ritual around it. Like 
Friday Mm -hmm. evenings or Sunday early mornings before the kids are up, you know, whatever it is. But it's like, those are our spaces. So the pressure is not that we have to have intercourse or whatever you guys usually Mm -hmm. do is like the main act for sex. It's not that you have to do that, but it's that you're still prioritizing that time to be together. And so maybe it's like, sometimes we're just going to show up and make out for a bit. Maybe sometimes we we just talk about sex or we read sex talks mm. together or whatever it is. So yeah. it's like, you're not focusing specifically on the act, but still prioritizing that time and that possibility. I think that's what the biggest issue for me is, is it's, it is about sex, but it isn't about sex. My husband and I both work in this business. It's very anxiety inducing. We have two small children. We're traveling so much. And for me, sex is the most vulnerable and honest I feel like you can be, right? You see yeah. all the flaws, like when you're having an orgasm, you're not faking that. For me, I just want the honest truth. And I feel mm-hmm. like I get that through sex. Like when he's in pleasure, when he's having pleasure, that's honest to me. Um, and I feel like because of our jobs, like, you know, we're all hustling and, you know, our business is all, you know, you don't know what's real, you don't know what's not. And so sex to me is the most intimate I I can get with someone. But I do believe the more I learn about myself, it's really less about the physical act of intercourse and it's Mm. more about the vulnerability and connection that comes Mm. with that. So am I saying we must have sex once or twice a week? It's really that I'm screaming like we must connect once or twice a week, you know, because, you know, I don't have to have intercourse, but I have to be, I have to feel like I'm intertwined with someone in a deeper way than just like, you know, telling each other who's putting the kids to bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love your way of describing that and like what your desire is in that Mm -hmm. moment. And, and I hope that anybody listening who thinks of sex more as this transactional thing, this tends to happen. Like if you have a partner with a higher sex drive and it's just like, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't like the way they initiate, it just feels like, Oh, like leave me alone type of thing. We can really Mm -hmm. think of sex as just this transactional, purely physical act. But for us to be able to recognize like there is so much vulnerability and intimacy mm-hmm. and connection and play like that's possible through sex. Like, it's, it's so much more than just the physical act. Mm-hmm. And what about, because we've been hearing more and more, um, people are talking about it more and more about sexless marriages. Like there are some marriages where sex isn't even like happening, you know? Mm-hmm. So can marriages like that survive? I mean, is that something like that, can can live i mean or is it like that you need that piece of that intimacy there for a, a successful marriage and relationship so about 1% of the population identifies as asexual and for people who are mm-hmm. asexual like they can have very happy like fulfilled intimate relationships without having sex even people who don't identify as that necessarily like can still have that For the vast majority of couples, though, like some element of physical intimacy is really, really important. Um, A lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, for the reasons that Tamman was describing, like that intimacy and that closeness that we create with our partners. So that's yet another reason why I I encourage people to like see it beyond just the purely physical act. So most people who are in sexless marriages describe themselves as feeling really unhappy. Like they want Mm -hmm. to be intimate, but they feel very stuck. And Mm -hmm. the longer the dry spell goes on, the harder it feels to get out of it. But there's still that desire of like, I don't want us to be here. I just feel paralyzed and I don't know how to get Mm -hmm. out of this. 
Mm. So then how do people, and not even for sexless, yes, for sexless couples, but also just in general, how do people ask for what they need in a se- in mm. their sexual relationship with each other, but without making the other person shut down? Because I feel like that's mm. that's where the, fa- the fear comes from, is the other person's going to reject them, shut down, feel bad about themselves, get angry. So mm. how do you have that conversation? Yeah. So definitely start with the other conversations that we've been talking about. Like, again, mm. if, if you just go straight to your partner and the first time you're talking about sex is like, why haven't we had sex in eight months? I can't even remember <laughs> yeah. the last time we had sex. Like, of course, your partner's going to get upset and that, yeah. that conversation is going to go nowhere. Might be another eight months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, walk through like the acknowledgement conversation, talking about that emotional intimacy and closeness and, and what you each need. But then ultimately, like when we get to this, this topic of like, how do we talk? to our partner about our needs and our wants. What we describe in sex talks is what we like to call positively pleasurable feedback. And it's simply like finding ways to phrase your requests in a positive light. So talking Mm. more about like what you want, what you like, rather than what you don't want or you don't like. Because most Mm. people, because we feel so uncomfortable talking about sex and we don't have much experience, it's a lot easier to focus on the things we don't like. I don't like it when you mm-hmm. touch me like that. I don't like it when you try to initiate like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when you look at me like that. Right? And it's hard. <laughs> I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much harder for us to identify what we do like and want. And especially for us women, because we got a lot of crappy socialization about how we're not supposed mm-hmm. to pay attention to our own wants and needs. It can be harder for us to identify. So We want to encourage people, though, to like take a little bit of time to think about like, how can I phrase this in a positive way? So I'll give you a specific example here. Like in um, one of the biggest complaints that we hear about in male, female couples is we hear women tell us like, he goes so fast. Like I say, yes, Mm -hmm. let's have sex. And then, you know, he kisses me for five seconds and he's trying to pull my pants off and have intercourse. So again, Mm -hmm. if I were to say that like that to Xander, like Mm -hmm. he's going to feel embarrassed, ashamed. He's not going to know what to do differently. So he's going to really shut down and we'll probably have a fight about that. But instead, if I can say something to him like, you know what turns me on so much? I love it when you just take your time with me, when you kiss me all over my body, touch me all over my body, and like don't let us move on to intercourse until I'm like begging you for it. That is so hot to me. Like, hmm. first of all, that just sounds sexy. Take, in and of take itself. notes, Xander. Like, take notes. Take me, take me. I'm ready. <laughs> so it's like, it sounds sexy. It's going to make him excited. And I think most importantly, like it gives him something specific to do and it makes him feel like he's already won. It's like I'm Mm. handing him the ticket of like, do this and you are going to make me very happy. So it makes it really easy for him to want to fulfill my requests. And I think if it's been a very long time, it's also important to set the bar a lot lower. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us, the deeper we get into a dry spell, the more we get kind of single-mindedly focused on like, we got to break the dry dry spell by having sex. Mm. And we got to have this incredible sex Mm. because if we don't, if we have bad sex, it's going to feel awkward and we're just going to go right back into it. And Mm. so we're just Mm. setting ourselves up for failure, right? It's been a long time. Of course, it's going to be awkward. Of course, it's going to be a little weird. It's probably not going to be amazing Mm -hmm. the first time Mm -hmm. when it's been a long time. It might be really quick. Who knows? It probably will be. So I think it can be, it can be so much more valuable to be, yeah, like instead of being like, 
oh, you know, jumping straight to like, oh, I love it when we go super slow and, you know, we do it all night long. No, I mean, <laughs> that's whatever. a tip for somebody yeah. in a dry smell. No. That's a- <laughs> yeah, but but just talking about- I like it when know, you last two and a half hours. Right. <laughs> it's like, great. But yeah, but, you know, try talking about some maybe not even sexual things, but like, oh, I just, I love it when we, when we cuddle in bed and kiss each other lightly or something like that. And like just slowly easing your way back Back into those more intimate activities. Well, I mean, if we want to talk specifically about like a couple that's been in a dry spell for a long time, yeah, do not use the, the tip that I just <laughs> yeah. shared. Um, but I, you know, people are usually telling us like, well, how do we break the dry spell and have it not be awkward? And our mm-hmm. response is, it's mm-hmm. gonna be awkward. There is just no way mm-hmm. getting around it, and you're gonna drive yourself nuts and make the pressure feel so high if you're trying to find this magical way to not make it feel awkward. So instead, what I would do is not talk about sex at first, but Mm. talk about the connection that you're missing with your partner. And I would also Mm. bring up whatever it is that's been going on in your lives that's preventing you from being intimate. So like most of us, we have really busy lives. We're overwhelmed. We Mm -hmm. just, you know, it can feel very hard to connect. There are usually very good reasons why a couple gets into a dry spell. Mm -hmm. So you can say something to your partner like, you know, I know we've had so much on our plates lately, you know, all the stuff with the kids or, you know, work's been nuts. I know there's just been so much, but I'm really missing you and I'm missing Mm -hmm. our connection. And I would love for us to be a team in working our way back to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no shame in going slow, kind of like figuring it out and let like if there's awkwardness, let it come through and let it pass. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's what what the problem is. Like you're saying, it's like we put so much pressure on ourselves, like sex has to be perfect. It has to be like amazing, like mind blowing, you mm-hmm. know, all these things. Right. And it's like, you know, if it happens and it's two minutes, maybe that's an amazing, you know, great two minutes. Maybe it wasn't like mind blowing sex, but like there was a connection there, you know? And I feel mm-hmm. like we put so much pressure in it. Like we just, and it almost probably, I feel like it makes people not want to do it. You know, it almost oh, yeah. like turns them the other way. Right. Like, cause it's like, if it's not going to be perfect, then why are we doing this? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and you don't even have to have intercourse to break a dry spell either. Mm-hmm. Like cuz that can feel very overwhelming and intimidating. If it's been months or years since you've last had intercourse, don't put that pressure on yourselves. You could just say like what if we just made out for a little bit tonight? Mm-hmm. You can even you can even kind of go back to go back to your early dating days when you had to like round the bases with mm-hmm. each other. Like <gasps> dry <laughs> humping, dry <laughs> humping is the best. Tamman and I, I talk about this. Is very underrated. Yes, I know. <laughs> See, spoken from the sex therapist. We we want to bring dry humping back. <laughs> we do. That's that's how I had my first orgasm was through dry humping mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was it was an accident, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I do I do think that the kissing and and the communication, you know, it it's what makes sex better. But I just and I think that a lot of our issues with sex come with our own trauma in our own personal lives that we have to kind of fix before. And I also implore women, especially to learn about their bodies. Like we had this amazing um, um, hormone uh, expert on Alicia Vitti, and she talks about thermescence, which is, you know, women's uh, what happens in the brain with women when they mm-hmm. get turned on from the brain before they mm-hmm. before the body. And there are times within the month that 
men do have to work harder, either mentally or physically. Mm -hmm. For example, right before your period is a harder time for most women to orgasm. And I think if women knew that, they were like, okay, I'm just before my period. I have to communicate with him and say, look, this is kind of normally where I am in my cycle that I need you to like kiss me all over my body. It's I'm not going to orgasm fast. And then obviously women, when they ovulate, as far as I know, and most of my friends, you orgasm very fast. So that's kind of the, you know, hey, I'm in this like weak cycle where like, this could be really fun for you. And yeah, jump my bones and like, let's have a quickie, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I think when I learned more about my body, I was able to tell my husband, like, and then Mm -hmm. it helps him, like also navigate Mm -hmm. where I am sexually, you know, and I and I think women, the more that they know about their bodies, because I think men are pretty standard with that. Mm -hmm. There's like, I'm turned on there. We're good. Maybe that's not true, but that's that's how I feel. I I actually believe that women's bodies aren't any more complicated or complex than men's bodies. I think that it all comes down to the socialization that we receive as mm. children and as we're growing up, you know, like for boys, it's obviously we don't like, you know, tell boys to masturbate or anything like that, but it's like very socially permissible. It's like, oh yeah, boys will be boys, you know, you know, men, they're always so horny. But for us women, like we get so many more negative messages about our bodies, that our genitals are, they're ugly and they're they're icky and they smell weird and they taste bad and nobody's going to want to go down there and good girls don't masturbate. Good girls don't touch themselves. So the, you know, so many women, the majority of women like grow up never experiencing their own bodies, never looking at themselves, getting to know themselves, touching themselves, figuring out what they need. And so Mm -hmm. when we get to the point where we're starting to have sex, men have this incredible leg up on us because they've had mm-hmm. so much more experience and so much more comfort. Yeah, I think most mm-hmm. men have know exactly what they need mm-hmm. in order to mm-hmm. orgasm well before most men become sexually active. I know that's mm-hmm. definitely how it was for me, but I had many years of practice. The only thing <laughs> I didn't know was, oh, like what exactly is it going to feel like? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> How quick is it going to be for me? But there was no question of like, oh, like, what am I going to need to do? Like, it just, you know, I already knew, but I can imagine how, you know, you know, if as a woman, if you didn't have that sort of implicit Mm -hmm. permission or that practice, like that would be a, that would have been a very hard thing for me to be trying to figure out in addition to having sex for the Mm. first time. I think that would have that would have been a lot harder. It would have taken me longer. I would have been a lot more anxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would have been a lot more worried and uh, yeah, it would have been a hell of a lot more of a challenge. Yeah. And I think it gets even worse because, you know, we start having sex, men already have this leg up on women. And then also as women, we're socialized to pay more attention to our partner's experience that it's mm-hmm. supposed to be all about him. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be, you know, caretakers and caregivers and care more about other people's needs and about our own experience. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of women, myself included, we start faking orgasm. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I want to, I don't want to seem mm-hmm. like one of those difficult women. Like I want to make it seem easy and we're compatible and things are Mm -hmm. clicking. You know, Mm -hmm. so I faked orgasms for years and years with many different partners because I just didn't feel like, you Mm. know, there was this space for me to explore my own pleasure and and figure out, you know, what I needed from a partner. So that's another way that we women can get stuck. Like we have a, a lot of people will tell us, well, you know, I've been with my partner for 10, 15 years and I started faking at the beginning and I 
continued oh faking. Like I didn't know how to get out of it. So a lot of women feel like they can't even be honest with their partners about the pleasure that they're experiencing or not experiencing. And that mm-hmm. makes sex feel even less enjoyable and therefore less desirable too. That's Roxy so sad. Miss, yeah. Roxy and I missed miss that class, the fishing yeah. orgasm class. We, <laughs> you guys are very lucky. <laughs> no, we we, we tell them to like, get back here. <laughs> We're like, let's, let's get, (laughs) like, this is a, this is a two-way street, my friend. (laughs) Good As it should be, but you know, sadly, there are just, yeah, there's so many women out there who are having sex. It feels like it's all about my partner. I get no pleasure. Mm. I certainly don't have an orgasm. And then there are also so many women saying like, oh, I have no sex drive. Something's wrong with me. I must be so broken. Why do I never Mm. want it? And Mm -hmm. people don't put two and two together. We call Mm -hmm. this the enjoyment desire connection. Mm. If you're not enjoying the sex that you're having, you are not going to crave it. It wouldn't make any sense to. Mm. And how sad is that, that we as women, especially like have been trained, like you're saying to not enjoy sex and to not, you know, make it about us. And like, what do we like? And, and all the things. And I think it does go back to when we're young, right? Like I remember sex ed class, like at school, it was very like, you know, just scientific and like robotic and like, this is what happens and this and that. There was never any talk of like pleasure or, you know, you should feel good about this and, and all the things. And Tamina and I are both bringing up daughters. You know, we have these young girls Mm -hmm. that we're, we're bringing up. And so how do we explain to, I mean, the, the young girls, I mean, and the young boys, you know, how do we explain sex to them in the way that they don't feel shameful about it and they don't feel mm-hmm. guilty for, you know, wanting it at an appropriate age, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, learning to love their bodies. Like, how do we kind of explain it in a healthy way to them? So we have a whole YouTube video where we actually break down like different age appropriate things that you can talk about with your kids. Mm. So you can check that out. If you, I'm sure if you just look on YouTube for Vanessa and Xander, talk to your kids about sex, that'll come up. But in general, I'll give you a couple of of tips. One is do not just have the talk. Most parents think Mm -hmm. of it as like one, this one and done conversation that you have. Mm -hmm. You usually have it with your kid when it's way too late. And they're like, mom, I know, duh. (laughs) So we think that sex should be an ongoing topic of conversation in a household. And the great thing about kids is that they will often take the lead. Like if Mm -hmm. you are open, if you don't shut them down when they ask questions, like they will ask questions. So Mm -hmm. even from a young age, you know, they might start asking you stuff like that. So just being willing to openly and honestly, like answer their questions and give them lots of praise and feedback. Like, I'm so glad you're asking me this. It's really important that we talk about this. What do you think about this? That's really valuable. Mm -hmm. You're also going to get a lot of opportunities to talk about it because sex is everywhere. We're so mm-hmm. we're also t- hesitant to talk about it openly, but it's like it is everywhere. We should talk about it. I think though one thing another thing to note though is that kids also are very good at picking up on discomfort mm-hmm. in you. And so I think this is just another reason why it's so important for you yourself and you and your partner to become more comfortable talking about sex, because if you don't talk about sex regularly with your partner and you go try to have that, you know, start opening up these conversations with your kid, what they're going to hear is like, uh, okay, so like we can talk about this maybe sometimes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I don't feel very good about it. And 
you know, and, and then it's not going to sound like, you know, you're really being that honest with them. And I think mm-hmm. mo- most of us have had that conversation with our parents giving us the talk where it was like, we could tell from their energy that they were super nervous. They didn't feel mm-hmm. very good about doing this. They didn't want to be giving us this talk. And so why would we ask them any questions, right? <laughs> we pick up on that. We go, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, they're saying that, but like, I'm really supposed to just go figure this out yeah. <laughs> somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? And even just your relationship with your partner overall, like kids are so perceptive. (laughs) They pick up Mm -hmm. on everything. And if you and your partner are really struggling, really feeling disconnected, if you never touch each other, never kiss each other, never say kind things to each other, like your kids are picking up on that too. So sometimes we hear from parents who, you know, they'll they'll come and they'll find our guides and courses and say like, this looks cool, but we don't have the time or, you know, we should spend our money on our kids instead. And and we try to turn it around and say, you know, you working mm. on your own sex life, that is such a gift that you are giving to your entire family. Like that mm. is the best way to teach your kids how to have healthier relationships with sex mm. and intimacy. Because you either pay for the date night and the babysitter or you pay for therapy. That's what I, (laughs) that's what I've always said. Like you always, you pay for one or the other. I just had this like realization that my parents never talked to me. about. That's what I was just going to ask you that. Like they never, mine never, never, my dad has never mentioned sex Mm -hmm. to me ever, like my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom talked about sex with me when I was sexually active. So I was like 21 when we started like having like the sex jokes, like, oh, and she's like, ah, ha, ha. Um, but there was never like a a sex talk. I went mm-hmm. to a very strict private girls school and they sat me down and they explained what a condom was and, you know, to not get pregnant and, you know, pretty much don't have sex <laughs> because then you'll get <laughs> pregnant and you're bad. Um, so I don't actually rem- ever remember having that talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I definitely did not have the talk about pleasure. I didn't even no. know that that was even coupled with it. And if we don't have the conversation of protect yourself, you know, obviously mm-hmm. protect your heart too, mm-hmm. but enjoy yourself. You mm-hmm. know, the, the enjoyment part mm-hmm. is such a taboo part of the conversation yeah. Yes, that yeah. like when I started to enjoy sex, I was like, wait, why did no one talk about this part? It's like saying, it's like saying, well, when you eat chocolate, you'll get energy, but they don't talk about how good it tastes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one yeah. discusses that it tastes so good. Um, and yeah, it was very surprising. So I just had that realization that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have mm-hmm. the sex talk. The pleasure aspect mm-hmm. of it is so important. I mean, obviously it's important to understand protection and not getting pregnant and all that stuff, but the pleasure aspect <laughs> of it is huge too. Like that's why we have sex to have this connecting and enjoyable experience. And so that needs to be a part of the conversation as well. So that, you know, that our kids understand like, yeah, you need to, you want to have a good experience with this. I think at the end of the day, what all parents want is for their child to be capable of making healthy decisions for themselves of being able to say like, okay, I, I have the opportunity to have sex in this moment. Like, is this something that's going to be good mm-hmm. for like my body, mind and spirit? And so mm-hmm. the more information you give to your kids, the better equipped they're going to be to make those healthy decisions for themselves. Yeah. Especially if it's yeah. like, this is something that I want to do and mm-hmm. I get to decide when I want to do it versus mm-hmm. 
otherwise what you come away thinking is, oh, this is something I guess I should do. I don't really know if or when I'm ready, but, you know, maybe if I feel a little pressure or, you know, if it's a should, Mm. then we tend to make poor decisions around shoulds versus things that we want to do. We actually think them through. We research them Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It's all part of empowering them, right? Giving them the information that they need to make these like educated Mm -hmm. choices. I know for, for us, you know, my daughter who's eight, about six months ago, she said one of her friends came over and gave her like this sort of bastardized version of what sex was. There was some like kind of yes, but the no, I was like, oh, and I freaked out not to her, but just in my head, you know, like freaking out, like, okay, I've got to do this now. I've got to like have the talk with her. And so I got a book. And we sat down and we read it. And I'm not going to lie. It was very uncomfortable for me just inside. I tried not to let her show that. I mean, show her that. But, you know, it just, you know, it just kind of was. But I powered through. I'm like, I'm going to do this for her. And it's interesting now. Like, she has asked me now about sex or if like something we uh, we were talking about like babies or something like last week and Mm -hmm. she's like oh yeah because you have sex and then the baby comes right and I was like yes girl I'm like yes (laughs) I'm hoping hoping that we stay open and honest about this you know yeah and you know what you can even acknowledge discomfort too like you don't have to be cool as a cucumber to have a good conversation (laughs) like you could say to your daughter something like wow, you know what? This is, this is a little challenging for me to talk Mm -hmm. about this with you because my parents never talked about it with me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I realized like, I want to do something different for you. I want us to be able to talk about this. I Mm -hmm. want you to be able to come to me with any questions you have. So I think kids respond really well to that kind of honesty. And even if you did freak out in front of her and let's say you got really embarrassed and like, don't let's like, we can talk about that or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like you can always Mm -hmm. loop back around and apologize to your child too and say, you know what? I really lost my cool when you asked me those questions. And I'm so disappointed in myself because I want you to know that I am a safe place. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I struggled with it because my parents and, t- you know, you can <laughs> share whatever story it is, but to just own up to your mistakes and, and remind them, like, even though I didn't do a good job in that moment, mm-hmm. I still want you to come to me and I'm going to work hard mm-hmm. at doing a better job next time. Like kids respond really well to that too. And you also just gave a really great description of how to bust, how and why to bust through awkward situations. I think a lot of us, we feel like, oh, once you start feeling that awkwardness, that's a sign that we need to like, I need to stop or I need to not do this thing again. But if you push through awkwardness, it actually gets less and less awkward mm. over time. And I think so many of us have awkwardness all wrong. We think we need to avoid awkwardness or run away from awkwardness, but I think we actually need to lean into it. Like awkwardness means, oh, this is something I'm not very comfortable with yet. Mm. And if I keep doing it, I keep trying, it's going to feel less awkward. And it's mm. also a vulnerable thing. It's a way to build connection with the mm-hmm. person on the other end of it, whether mm. that's your kid or your partner, like if you push mm-hmm. into awkwardness, you're going to feel more connected with whomever it is you're doing that with. You're going to build confidence in yourself because over time you're going to realize, mm-hmm. oh, now that doesn't feel as awkward. I can look back and laugh about that awkward time and it gets easier. And, you know, in mm-hmm. your case, like your daughter feels safe to come back to you and ask you more questions, which is exactly what mm-hmm. the goal was at the beginning. So that's awesome. Oh, God. <laughs> and I think there's like a misconception that like, 
by talking about sex with our children that it makes them promiscuous. Mm. And I think that is probably a huge fear for a lot of people that once they tell them what sex is, they're going to go, ooh, I'm going to try that out. But like, I don't think me describing what drugs is to my kids, they're going to be like, great, let's go get high. (laughs) Like, you know, I I think that at some point you're going to have to hand over the baton and just go like, I hope I've bolstered you up enough to make good decisions. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, at least then you're not confused because yeah, like we were saying, Roxy and I were talking about this before the amount of times that I did some kind of sexual act just to, because I just wanted to get the guy away from me because I didn't really know about the enjoyment and what I was allowed to do and all these other things that are coupled with sex that I never got taught. I was just Mm. like, oh, just do this so that like they'll leave me alone, you know? And I don't ever want my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, when they get into their sexual life, like to ever feel that way. But Mm. I know we don't have much time with you. So I just (laughs) want to do like a U-turn because I I do want a few tips for people to go away with. um, uh, And one of the main things I just wanted to ask was about um, how do you make your sex life sexier and hotter and like maybe even and i saw this on your instagram feed maybe even bring some kink whatever that means into the relationship like how do you make it spicy and like like you know for people asking who have been married for like 16 years (laughs) yes tell us tell us So research has shown that the best thing you can do to keep your sex life spicy on a consistent basis is to try new things with your partner. Like our brains just light up whenever we have new experiences with our partner inside and outside of the bedroom. And so if there are specific kinky things that you're curious about trying, maybe you want to do a little spanking, a little hair pulling, a little dirty talking, like you can certainly do those things. But I do think a lot of people hear this advice to try new things and they get a little freaked out because they imagine like really pushing themselves (laughs) far out of their comfort zones, like Mm -hmm. try new things. Oh my God, do we have to like have a threesome or we have to be tying each other up? The beads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the beads. (laughs) Well, she's already got that. (laughs) Uh, And that is just not true. Like even if you try small things, like make little changes, that still gives you that same effect of feeling like you're having a new experience with your partner. So one very practical thing that you can do for anybody who might be feeling a little bit nervous about this is think back to the earlier stages of your relationship and try to remember things that you used to do in the bedroom mm-hmm. together that you haven't done in a while. Because for most of us, the longer we've been together, the more narrow sex becomes. It's mm-hmm. like you can even script it out like yeah, we kiss for 10 seconds and then he rubs my boobs for five seconds. And then we're taking clothes <laughs> off, right? So think back, like maybe it was, oh, we used to spend, maybe it's as simple as we used to spend a whole lot more time making out. Mm. Maybe it's like, oh, he used to kiss all over my neck. I don't even remember the last time he's kissed my neck. Or we used to try this other position that we haven't done in ages. So like just bring back something that you haven't done in a while, that'll give you that same feeling of of newness and that'll give you the confidence and the motivation to maybe try some other things. What is a good tip for prioritizing sex? Like, especially in our busy lives, you know, working and with kids and like, you just feel like you don't have time, you know, a lot of the time. What is a good way? How do you prioritize that with your partner? 
I'm a fan of scheduling sex. I think a lot of people look down on it. They think of it as being very clinical, but I think like, so let's look back at the beginning of a relationship. Cause most people will say like, Oh, I just missed those early days. Mm-hmm. So what was happening when you were dating each other? Like you were scheduling dates with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And once you started having sex with each other, pretty good guess that you were going to have sex on your date night. So you were scheduling sex from the beginning of your relationship. You just didn't realize it. You just didn't realize it. And you were excited about it too, right? So mm-hmm. I think that we can bring that same energy into our relationships now. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of goes back to what I was saying to Tamman about like prioritizing it. So can we set aside these, these moments of time where it's like, this is our time. This is our special mm-hmm. time. This is our, you know, it's our little ritual you can come up with a cute name for it, but you're just carving out that time and recognizing that like scheduling something, it's a way of showing how important it is to us. It doesn't need to be this Mm -hmm. cold clinical thing. And Mm -hmm. another element from, you know, what it was like back in those dating days Mm -hmm. is you gave your, you anticipated a lot because you were scheduling dates and, you know, you'd be mm-hmm. thinking about it all day. Like, oh, what's it going to be like when we do this? Mm-hmm. What's it going to be like afterwards? You know, maybe we spend extra time getting ready or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you need to do that again necessarily, but it's more of recognizing, oh, I gave myself a lot of things to anticipate. So maybe if I can find a way to add some of that anticipation into my everyday life, that might help me more naturally prioritize sex later because that's something that I'm really going to be wanting. So that might be sending some flirty messages back and forth throughout the day, talking about how excited you are to spend some time together later or just yeah, yeah the, just thinking about that type of stuff on a more regular basis rather than this assumption that oh it's just supposed to happen naturally mm-hmm. or come to me spontaneously mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 9 50 p.m in that 10 minute window after the kids are down mm-hmm. and before we have to go to bed like that's just that's too much pressure to put on yourself mm-hmm. and what if your time timings are off like what if one person's like a morning person and the other person's like a night person then what afternoon sex no. lunchtime uh-huh. oh there you go <laughs> It's meet me in the middle. Yeah, meet in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you might you might need to have a little bit of morning sex, a little bit of evening sex, but we're really big fans of the afternoon sex or mm-hmm. the as early in the evening as you can mm-hmm. sex. Um, I think most couples could really benefit from trying to prioritize sex earlier in the day because when mm-hmm. you are at the end of the night, like crawling into bed, you've had a long day, you're exhausted, you're doing that mental math of like, if I fall asleep within five minutes and I have to wake up at this point, like here's exactly how many hours I get. Like that is such Mm -hmm. a hard time to get excited about having sex. So if we can prioritize it a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier, obviously it'll be dependent on your like family schedule and each individual couple, Mm -hmm. but the earlier you can do it, the better. You also might be surprised at how much you can get done on your (laughs) to-do list after you've just had sex. Honestly, (laughs) the day before yesterday, we had this experience, or I had this experience. (laughs) Vanessa did. She she knew it could all happen. But I I had to go to an appointment or something. And (sighs) Vanessa was like, oh, um, like before you leave, I would love to do like, you know, a couple work, you know, there's like couple work thing and like a house thing. And, and like, it would be awesome to have sex. And in my, the first place I went in my mind was, I was like, 
ooh, that's a lot of, that's a lot that's of a lot. things. <laughs> that's a lot of things. And like, oh, well, in order to have sex, like that, like I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to get these, you know, get the food together and, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. Like get the important things off the plate. That was where my head went first. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's not going to have, there's not going to be enough time. Then I was like, well, it would be fun to have sex though. <laughs> what if we just had sex right now? Yeah. And we did. And like, effortlessly after that everything got done we felt yeah. super connected it was fun it was easy to get stuff done and there was time left over <laughs> sex yeah. it's a productivity hack <laughs> yeah but i, I think, think it's just doing the yeah. doing you know doing the enjoyable thing first the mm. connecting thing it makes mm. the other stuff easier and it's like we have to flip the mindset of like oh yeah. the only way i'm allowed to do the enjoyable thing is if i do the chores first mm, that's a good I point i do think also that another a disclaimer is because we've done that so many times like it's been amazing but then if the other person says no mm. that we don't feel rejected because that for mm. me like if i texted him and was like let's do all this stuff in sex and he got really flustered i was like mm. i just don't know what and then i just felt all of a sudden i was like oh god well i'm not turned on now because you're so flustered about it and like this is too much, then part of me would be like, but then is he rejecting me, you know? And then I think that that also leads to like it not being fun anymore. So mm. I really think that if somebody says no in the moment that you've asked, because you asked, um, Vanessa asked, and mm. you said yes, which is so hot and great. But if he said no, mm. would you have been okay with it? Yeah. And would you have felt rejected? Or would you have just been like, okay, we'll just do it tomorrow. So I think that there's like, a little so it's, i'm yeah. talking to myself like if my husband mm -hmm. says no in that situation then it's not about me like i'm not rejected yeah how you know? do you handle so, that like rejection sex rejection you know exactly mm -hmm. the key is in how we say no to each other so the classic thing that happens for most people is we you know we get flustered we feel uncomfortable we don't like having to say no and so we end up saying no in this very like abrupt way i mean i've done this plenty of times myself like xander has initiated with me in a moment that i was so not open to it but i felt bad that i wasn't open and i ended up kind of like why would you want to have sex now type of thing like <laughs> making it feel awful right but what we've come to realize is like the skill behind saying no to each other. So one of the things that we do is when we're saying no to each other, we give a specific reason why we're not open to that. But mm. most importantly, we tie the reason into how we want to show up during sex. So if Xander initiates mm. with me and I say, I have a headache, like that just sounds like the classic, like not tonight, honey, I have a headache excuse, mm. right? Mm -hmm. But if I can say to him like, you know what, babe, my head is just pounding right now. And I know that I'm not going to be able to show up in the moment with you and be present and goofy and connected the way we usually are. And it's so important to me to be able to do that. So mm. can we take a rain check? You know, just like mm. adding mm. one extra sentence to that is a reminder to him of like, I value you. I value our sex life. I value what we're creating in that moment. Mm -hmm. So it makes him feel important too. Um, mm. Another thing that we do is, so sometimes the no can feel like very abrupt and then you feel like awkward, like, okay, well, I'm just going to go in <laughs> yeah. the other room then. And you like, you mm -hmm. physically separate and mm -hmm. it feels like you really feel awkward. So if one of us says no to the other, 
we suggest some other form, preferably of like some form of non-sexual physical intimacy. Like I'm not really open to having sex, but I would be down to cuddle on the couch or take a walk mm. holding hands or make out for a little bit. So, mm. and or even if there's no touch that we're open to, like, you know, I would be open to like us just hanging out together and reading a book or something, you know, so it's like, we're still mm-hmm. doing something together. So there's that feeling of connection rather than that abrupt, like, okay, bye. See you later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting on my TikTok. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's so many things, right? Tamman. It's just, yeah. It's... Well, I'm going to go spend the day having sex. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't do that. I have two small children and it's so great. <laughs> I know it's, this it's has been so helpful. It, yeah, very helpful. Very helpful. I feel like you guys provided some really fresh insight um, yeah. on things that a lot of people are dealing with. You know, it's 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 hard, particularly when you've been in a long relationship, you know, mm-hmm. but as and sex and ebbs and flows. Yes. Yes. Ebbs and flows. True. Um, and as sex therapists, I just want, I'm just curious if you guys are open to answering the question. Are you guys having sex like all the time? Because you guys are so like two like, days. We're having sex right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're exactly. very subtle about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. See, it's, How does it's that funny. work? Yeah. It's funny that you asked that question because when we were talking about, you know, the most popular question we get is like, what is the right amount of sex to be having? And, you know, when we, once we tell people like on Instagram, once we tell people, okay, you know, that's actually not really the right question to be asking. Mm-hmm. Then the second question is, okay, well, how much sex do you guys <laughs> exactly i want to do that number (laughs) right you know our number is not going to be the number for every other couple and we go through ebbs and flows too you know Mm -hmm. that that's the other thing that's really important about like the numbers Mm -hmm. yeah there are some seasons or even some weeks where you have more time and more desire and more you know openness and others where it's not Mm -hmm. even on the table Mm -hmm. but for us like it's really important for us to carve out that time for each other and talking about sex has made such a huge impact on how frequently we have sex and how enjoyable Mm -hmm. the sex is. Like that was one of the reasons we decided to write this book, Sex Talks, because Mm-hmm. When Xander started working with me and, and you know, we started talking about our own sex life more openly and frequently, it was like, ooh, I think yeah. we can yeah. ratchet it up here. I think we're onto something. Yeah. So I know that a lot of people think of talking about sex as this like, oh, I have to tell my partner all the things that I hate and that they're not mm-hmm. turning me on and, and all this stuff. But or like, that it's just going to become clinical and yeah. like not sexy mm-hmm. anymore. And that could not mm-hmm. be further from the truth. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that really has been the key to keeping it spicy and exciting and frequent for us. I do think, I don't know if you guys have kids, but if the answer is no, I think that kids really hurt mm-hmm. people's sex life. And it's not because even the physical act of having a kid, I we had C-sections, but even vaginal births hurt a lot of people's orgasms and things like that but it's just the constant you don't have any room left mentally Mm -hmm. or physically or emotionally you're so spent by all of it like just trying to keep them alive but also keep them like just their souls alive too like I'm now Mm -hmm. dealing with my eldest I've got a young one and an older one it's really emotional. And we had to like talk. I was so tired last night. I hadn't slept and she wanted to talk for an hour and a half about fourth grade. And I can't be like, go to bed. You know, I really had to talk through her anxieties and there's less room for my husband to talk about Mm -hmm. his stresses and his anxieties Mm -hmm. and what he likes in bed. You know, (laughs) when I'm, when I'm, I have my kids in my bed 
talking about, you know, those things. And I, I don't think people talk about the relationships that change when you do have kids and mm-hmm. um, how it's a lot more work to make mm-hmm. it work after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Absolutely. I when I talked about that on my Instagram, people were like, oh my gosh, you're the first person that has mentioned having children and how it affected. My first one didn't affect our relationship very much. The second one did. Now we're great. But no one talks about that. No one goes, Mm -hmm. oh, you're physically going to not feel great, but your relationship really takes a dive in the beginning for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a course specifically for parents because it's such an all consuming life change. And I think parents are just not prepared for it. Nobody Mm -hmm. does talk about it openly. And there's Mm -hmm. even this pressure on parents to not acknowledge the ways your kids impact your relationship. Like Mm -hmm. you feel like you're supposed to act like you have it all together and everything's great and amazing. So, you know, it was really important to us to be able to to share techniques for parents or like, even mm-hmm. though you're you're busy and overwhelmed, like here, the most time effective, low effort ways mm-hmm. to reconnect, because at the end of the day, like your relationship is really important. And, you know, obviously there are going to be tough seasons where you just got a back burner, in, but, you know, the more mm-hmm. connected the two of you feel, the more you really feel like a team and the more you can yeah. tackle everything that's on your plate. But it, it really starts with those open and honest conversations. So I'm glad you're willing to go there with your community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we're there. We're there. Right, Tam Tam? it's funny because when we don't do this sometimes we bank episodes we batch episodes um when we're in person and when we don't have the podcast roxy and i kind of feel like we're falling in bad habits like you know this podcast has helped us so much Mm -hmm. um we've got to speak to the some of the most incredible experts like yourselves um and it's really changed our lives like we we're better people for it. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. <laughs> and now like, my vagina, and now my vagina is going to be better for it. So. <laughs> it's like it's like free therapy that we work really yeah. hard for. You know. <laughs> yeah. But where can We're people find you? To get to be a part of it. Oh, yes, where can people good. find you? And can people actually get like? Mm. Um, can they they spend time with you guys, or is it just the courses? Like, how do they mm. how do they get into your world? Yeah, we would love to connect with anyone in your community. We are super active on Instagram. We're at Vanessa and Xander. We do stories there together every day. We share a ton of resources. And then if you're interested in our courses or guides, everything is on Instagram as well, but you can also go over to our website at vmtherapy.com. It's my initials, vmtherapy.com. We love teaching like the nitty gritty ins and outs of sex and pun intended Mm -hmm. that everybody like we feel like we should already know but mm-hmm. we're like i actually don't fully know so we have stuff like our we have our ultimate foreplay guides next level intercourse we have sex challenges and even emotional intimacy challenges for couples too so we have a ton of stuff there and then finally if you want to pick up our book sex talks we got all the links over at sextalksbook.com and you, we will even throw in a free workbook with your purchase if you come back to that page <laughs> and uh, fill out a little info about your purchase i thought you're gonna Ooh. say you're gonna throw in a free vibrator and i was like i'm in <laughs> maybe that's the next so- maybe that's yeah. the next book you should throw that yeah in yes. <laughs> the sex bundle <laughs> well that's awesome well thank yeah. you guys so much we are so appreciative and guys you can follow us on women on top official on instagram and women on top podcast on facebook and women on top official on tiktok and i am tam and Sursock. and i am roxy manning 
and we are Women, Women on, on Top. top. Uh-huh.